Welcome to The Coat Hanger on 2SER 107.3. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast and record this show, the Gadigal of the Eora Nation, and we pay our respects to elders past and present. The Coat Hanger is a show on a podcast where we tackle women's footy with a Sydney view. I'm your host, Fiona Lamb, coming to you from the lower central coast of New South Wales, which is Garingai land. I'm Coach Kiwi, and I have the privilege to come to you from Darug country, which is out Hawkesbury Way. And I'm Lauren Hodson, and I'm broadcasting to you from the Southern Shire, which is Darug country. And I am Coach Donnie Hess, coming all the way from Iowa Native American land over here in the United States. Yay! This is our grand final show for the AFLW Season 7. And yes, our special guest, Coach Donnie Hess, host of the YouTube podcast, Fourth and Long. Donnie, I didn't quite hear that clearly. Would you mind repeating your, so we we speak of our traditional owners and, and so you're speaking of the Native American land you're on? Yep. If coming from Des Moines, Iowa here in the USA, I come in, the original owners of the land is the Iowa Native Tribe of the Iowa Nation, also uh, Sioux uh, Nation as well, have also inhabited this particular area of my state. Great. Thank you cool. for sharing. Hey, Donnie, can I ask? Sorry to throw off topic. Yeah. So is the name of your state then a play on the words or a shortened version of how they, the traditional country that you're on? Yes, and we have a lot like Australia. We have a lot of cities that are based off of of native tribes, Oskaloosa. Uh, there's, in fact, I think even one of the casinos in the area is named after another tribe that has come through the Meskwaki as well. A so casino. yeah, there's 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 there's, there's <laughs> tons. Of, yes, there's tons of things that are connected to native to Native Americans in this this particular uh, state, especially considering it's very farm rich. So, wow. Right. Yeah, there you go. How yeah, cool. I've never heard of the IOA. So um, there you go. We're, you're educating us already. We uh, learned so much on this pod. We really do. <laughs> Let's get going on the grand final. So Melbourne D's won, of course. I was right. Kiwi was wrong. Loz was right as well. I was too. I was right. And De- Donnie Hess was right too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness it was it was a nail biter even though it was so low scoring but what a contest um uh i'm going to start by talking about <laughs> daisy pierce and how everyone's just been at her and at her and at her saying oh do you think you're going to retire and i really appreciated what she said to abby holmes right at the end after the head one she said don't take this moment away from me don't take this from me. Well, hey, you won't know this, but the age, which is a piece of paper that's sold in Melbourne, they did a story and they interviewed her and she said exactly the same thing. And then the story continued to write about, will this be the last time we see her? It's like, did you not listen to what she actually just said to you? Stop making it about her. It was a team that won. So, yeah, and I, I watched uh, Outsiders, um, the sports show on the ABC, and all of them, Carolyn Wilson, Kelly Underwood, and the other blokes whose names I don't know, they all just just took it as uh, took it for granted that Brisbane was going to win, um, and they were totally wrong. And I was very pleased. Main, the main <laughs> reason I, I wanted the main reason I wanted Melbourne to win was I I just want 
I want the success spread. I don't want it to just be limited to a couple of um, teams. But I also felt like the right team won on the day. Let's break it down a little bit. Loz, what have you got to say? It it went um, pretty much how I thought it would and how I think Melbourne's previous two finals have gone and even some of their their earlier season games. They never looked panicked. Um, They, you know, it was... It was tight defence. Yes, it's low scoring and there's been a lot of commentary around that, particularly from perhaps non-AFLW fans, but it was such a good contest. Like it, it wasn't, it was high quality footy, even if it was low scoring. You know, both teams' defences were really good. Seeing that, you know, that's evidenced by the best on ground medal was won by a defender from a losing yeah. team, right? But the Demons, again, like all season, I think I've commented, they just never looked panicked. Even when they were behind, they just did their thing. You know, they all played their all, stuck to their structures. People had big moments. Um, I thought it was a really good grand final. Coach Hess. Yeah, I, I was I was the same way. I, I went into this game thinking that would, would the difference be Taylor, would, would Taylor Harris's inclusion, considering she didn't play in the first game, be a massive changing point? And to see Mick Stanier throw her into the rock right off the bat, I think was was a brilliant move. He got some athleticism there. And then it was it, it kind of played out like their previous two finals. They got down a little bit. They didn't panic. And they just kind of, they were like a diesel engine. It took them a little bit to get going. But once they got going, they just kind of, they made Brisbane defend from the second, third, and fourth quarters more than I think they have had most of this season. So, yes. The, you, you did get the best and fairest be a defender for the Brisbane Lions, but that's because if it wasn't for her involvement, this could have been a much uglier game. I, I think I think Brisbane's defense was masterful in this game, keeping the D's from just kind of running over. The D's were a little bit wayward, kicking in front of goal, and that it could have cost them, but it didn't. So it just it was a great game, very physical, great skill, absolutely fascinating umpiring a little e but again it, it's kind of one of those where you, you let it go you let it go a little bit because there there is so much class on the field and just it was the it was the little things it was the one percenters that really changed this game for the d's as it came on the little unders by eliza west to, to get the ball out handball out wide to use lily Mithin and and karen paxman another incredible one i know everybody's talked about daisy pierce but karen paxman uh, a round of applause for you you had an, another incredible game i felt horrible for her when i think she hurt her hamstring late in the game because she wasn't able to be on the field when the final siren went off yeah i think i think you're absolutely right donnie it um it was a coaching masterclass. i think you know, and what Mick did was we've sort of seen it the last couple of games with the movement of some of the players around. So we've known Taylor for the last six seasons as a key forward. And, you know, she's a terrific key forward. There's probably no one in the game who can compete in the year like like a Taylor Harris mark. But throwing her in the, in the ruck just changed things up a little bit and allowed Loz Pierce, whether he's been looking after her for the season, I don't know, but it just allowed her to do a different role. And then late in the game, that flipped a bit. So she played a little bit more ruck and they started to really control, you know, their movement around their stoppages. And 
And I think that's probably something that Brisbane just lacked a little bit this time around because we didn't see so much movement. We did see Courtney Hodder late in the game, potentially too late in the game. He threw her into the midfield. But I think, you know, what Mick has got is he's just got some real quality players that he can trust in different roles, but they're comfortable in different roles. And, um, you know, and even at, at one point, Daisy went into the back line late in the game and you know we know that she's played there before as an absolute general across there so that's comes down to that experience but it just comes down to um I think knowing what your players can bring and it, you know you just knew at certain points of the game where to put players and you know and of course I'm going to cheer on his whole coaching panel because Jane Lange the legend from Darabin is sitting right next to him and um you know obviously they've been together all seven seasons um, and, you know, along with Daisy and Paxi, who she coached at Darabin Falcons, you know, the serious or strong Darabin connection, um, yeah, that, that's where this team's really been building. It's, they've always been somewhere around about the top. And then I think, and there is a famous saying, right, you've got to lose one to win one. And I think them being so fresh, losing just a couple of months ago, mm. they've, you know, <laughs> it's so fresh in their minds, they just knew what they had to do to lift in the game. And, um, and change up a few things. And I don't know about Brisbane. They just, yeah, they started strong. Yeah. But um, Demons stopped the best scoring team in the comp for three quarters. They did yeah. not kick a goal. They were off their game. Was incredible, wasn't that it? is incredible. I'm surprised it wasn't one of those defenders that got best on ground. Um, but that just mm. shows how they, how they work as a team as well, not particularly one particular defender. Um, they well, will have, if, have their roles. And to go off that, I think the really the reason why is because it spent so much time bogged in the midfield or in the Brisbane defensive half. Like Melbourne's defense really didn't have to do a ton. There wasn't a ton of really scary moments. And if they got scary, one of their defenders, a Libby Birch, cleaned it up, got it out. So I, I kind of see why the D's didn't, the D's, D's, none of them were really in the in the discussion for it because they really didn't have to do much and when they did they did it just they did all they needed to do they didn't overcomplicate it i think there were times that coming out of the defensive zone brisbane's defense overused the footy and it hurt them because the d's were starting to kind of tighten the noose a little bit and kind of continue the pressure on it and that's really kind of what gave them wave after wave after wave of attack on it yeah it, it ended up happening because they kicked go behind but that's just how it really went I and mean, brisbane had it in their defensive half like what was it 85 percent at one time mm. in in defensive 50 it was insane yeah well, look, I was thrilled to see Taylor Harris have um, a good game. Uh, I was devastated when she kicked it behind first go, but then when she got that goal, that was great. And, and um, I'm so thrilled that after seven seasons, she's finally a premiership player. Uh, but who was the um, the Brisbane defender who who ran down that? It was a sure goal. That was it was a, a certain oh, goal. Was it was good Nat Grider. Grider. Yeah. yeah, Nat Grider. Yeah. yeah. Well, very good. I tip my hat, madame. I thought that was going <laughs> to be. That was impressive. I thought that like might the, be the decider. The like, yeah. oh, shit. Yeah. yeah so, Just uh, on Taylor <laughs> Harris, it was her fourth grand final, you know. So, uh, again, like you, Fee, I was really pleased for her to get it because she's, you know, been in the comp every season. She cops a lot. 
And I think this season and, and the grand final, I still think it's only just touching on how good a player she could be. Like yeah. there was a moment in, I think it was a final quarter, and she didn't clunk it. But I tell you what, she got very high. <laughs> you know, she <laughs> almost took us back. It would have been pretty special if she did. And, you yeah. know, hitting the packs. And Kiwi referred to it being used in the Rockmore this season. And I wonder if part of that is to get her around the ball and the contest more, to give her that confidence to get into games. Because we see when she's got the confidence, she's taking those marks, she's doing those hits, crashing packs, kicking goals. Um, but, yeah, I thought she did good. I thought West was really good in the midfield for the, the Ds. It seemed like she, she held her own. She had a strong body. They couldn't tackle her. Um, I thought she was going to win the medal. Yeah, hmm. I thought she was a real, real good chance because she just she was just so strong. That was the thing that struck me. She just she could just get it out, you know. But, um, yeah, it's uh, like I said, I, I think very, very good game. And um, But like you said, Brisbane probably a bit off their game. If you want to know some some numbers from the game to show just because the scoreline really it was only four points in it in the end, there were 118 kicks each. Huh. <laughs> there were 56 handballs each. So 174 disposals each. Oh my god! So then it comes down to disposal efficiency. Is that all? That's not a lot, is it? No, disposal efficiency, 61% for Lions, 59 to Ds. It's yeah, pretty and, close. And, and that's then, why there's low low disposals because the pressure's so high and that's, you know. Absolute. Just contest after contest. Um, and then, it, you know, it came down to the inside 50s is probably the only one that there was a real difference. So obviously there's a scoreboard there. But um, Lions had seven shots from 19 inside 50s, whereas – D's had nine shots from 28. Um, but tackles, tackles is the biggest probably difference is obviously Lions, 86 tackles to 57. So um, mm. really quite even throughout all, this, all the stats just to sort of show how close and um, hard fought the game was. Yeah. I know we've talked a lot about Taylor Harris. There's just a couple of more things I want to say that she, uh, what I loved was that she got an opportunity to speak at the end, speak from the heart and talk about the team and how the team is what matters to her and that's who they all play for. They play for one another and it's so great to have her have that opportunity to express that because for far too long the narrative that's been told about this player has been grossly unfair and has been made her out to be a very selfish player. On the other hand, Brisbane had some quite selfish players still <laughs> who were only there for themselves. And this is, again, why I feel like the correct team won. Karma? <laughs> Do you call that karma? It feels a little <laughs> bit like karma. It does. It really does. I saw a particular player going for the same little tricks that that player had had successfully is that <laughs> played the dick move? in other the dick move. It was the dick move. It was the frippin' dick move. I'm over it. Stop it. Cut it out. We don't want to see it. And you've lost too many grand finals doing that, my friend. Stop it now. Walking away empty-handed. <laughs> um, hey, now let, let me tell you about disposals for um, players. So, um, the highest disposal getter was only with 19. We have two players of that, but one was obviously Shannon Campbell. 
you know, phenomenal. And she did win the medal. The other one was Eliza West. So um, that the two of them got the top number of disposals in the weekend. I can tell you what the votes were. Um, Do they for, announce the votes? They do release the votes, yeah. Mm-hmm. So for the best on ground, best on ground in the grand final votes. So the voting was three three two 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 to Shannon Campbell. Eliza West three three two two one. So she only missed by one point. Uh, Nat Grider got three. Olivia Purcell got. Um, three ones, so three points, and then Kathy Spark got a single vote, single point. So, um, so yeah, really, really close between those two, and um, and I think they both had a pretty phenomenal impact in the game. So, all the, all the um people on the panel do a three, two, one, do they? Yep, mm-hmm. three, two, one, right. that's how they do right. it. Yep, right. So, yeah, there's five, five people on the panel. And the interesting thing that you look at it there is Nat Greider and Shannon Campbell are both defenders. And that's that's your higher vote getters, where it's like you have a midfielder and, and it just it just shows you kind of as I said that that's where the majority of the play was, was in Brisbane's defensive half. So it was very easy for Campbell to to rack up 19 disposals, but it was her intercept marks, it was her timings of when she had it. Where it's like you almost wish it would have went to Liza West because what she did in the midfield with those hardball gets and, and the getouts led to goals, led to that attacking of of Shannon Campbell's defensive end. So it, it's very interesting to hear you say the votes there because just just hearing it, the majority of the votes for Brisbane came in their back half. There were no Dakota Dixons, Jesse Wardlaws, their the, the midfielders, Ali Anderson. All, those weren't in the votes. So it just, it showed you what Melbourne's midfield did to get the footy into their forward 50 and how Brisbane had to handle it to be able to keep this from getting out of hand. And I think, I think Eliza West stepped it up in that last quarter. I think. Oh, she did. As, as they all did, they had that sense of, you know, we're only a couple of points ahead, but just her tackle pressure and her second and third efforts around the contest, just, she was just an absolute rock in there. But they would have done the voting probably by then, actually. They usually do it pretty – no, they kind of oh, do it right. early in the fourth quarter. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there was a – wasn't there a goal kicked after the siren? Did they count it or not? No. They haven't counted it. Some Why? are saying that it didn't yeah. go through. I don't know. It looked pretty good. Oh. I thought it went yeah. through for a point. I thought oh, it really? went through for a behind and it, it went on the um, – it, it went on the telly. All right. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I mean, clearly it's not going to change the result, and they don't have to worry that's, about percentage. It do doesn't they? change the result. That's true. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Other comments. Know? Well, look, I was afraid that um, that the heat that was being reported up there at the uh, Springfield, uh, what's it called? Um, yeah, Springfield. Yeah, no, but some real estate, is it some real estate? Brighton Homes Arena. Which confuses me because isn't Brighton in Melbourne? It sure is. There's a Brighton in Melbourne. There's there's the famous Karen from Brighton. Yes, that's the Melbourne one. He's done all of Brighton. Brighton, Um, Just as we're talking about Springfield, I loved it that there was a Simpson that sang the anthem. Oh, yeah, I, I missed that. 
I, I missed they the, I was so on. annoyed. I, I had, I had seven on call? early and there was nothing on and nothing on and, I, and then I missed the intro. But why did, did it have to job. be a bloke? Why? Uh, he did a good He's job, a though. Well, oh, okay he, then. He, he Fine. has been I a take Queenslander it for a while now and he did the um, he did the anthem at the Melbourne Cup and, and did a yes, good job. And Delta was busy. Delta was busy. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm like, Delta did Delta did the performance <laughs> actually. So I think, was she I think good? The, the best one. Yeah, apparently everything she that I've it. seen, she was spectacular. Oh, great. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty good, but um for all the I guess uh criticisms and talk about where it was going to be held, the turf held up. Um, yeah. I mean, look, yes, it was a small crowd, but it was packed. And I think it's gonna be a great home for the Lions AFLW going forward. Um, until they, you know, until they need to move to a bigger ground uh, to contain all their fans. <laughs> or, hey, you know when like it was when it was grandstands around there. You know when it was a small crowd after Sydney. Brisbane um, lost. That, that's right. I, I was actually they pretty, cleared out. I was Shame on you, that. Brisbane. Do not come at me with your oh, we're fans of footy and we think it's unfair and we're not getting the kudos and why don't you talk about us more? That's why. That's why. And again, don't come at me with your we care about football because you are right now down near the bottom of memberships for AFLW. You know who's lower than you? Gold Coast. I've got a question for you, Fee. I just, just by how, you know, how you're you're attacking this podcast, I want to know if a coach has revved you up before the game because you're on fire tonight. You're like... (laughs) You're landing your tackles, hitting them, hitting them all like you're you're on fire, mate. Have you have you been sitting in on was it was it Nathan Burke? Was it Nathan Burke who had the really up and out there pregame speech? Have you sit in one of one of his go forward and no, conquer? No, no, I don't know. Well, look, I, I'll tell you this. I was going to say this in the in the pod section of this show, but I'll say it now. When this show comes out on Tuesday, it will be my day seven of COVID and my cancerversary. So one year, thank you, Megan Morris, for that reference. Uh, it's been a long year. And uh, <clears throat> I really actually would have liked the rest of the year to recover before season seven, but that didn't happen. <laughs> so here we are. But I'm glad <clears throat> I'm glad to feel like I'm alive again. We certainly are. I'm alive. glad to know I'm alive <laughs> one year post. Alive. Post, uh, I'm, def- I'm definitely going to see. I, c- I come on and the fireworks are on. Holy <laughs> Nike, this is great. She's got a bee in her bonnet. I'm loving this. Oh, dear. Excuse me. And are you choking? <laughs> don't choke. Yep. After all you've been through, don't choke. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you talk whilst I just clear my throat. We've all lost it now. But, uh, she was just yeah, on geez. fire. But, but in all seriousness, the ground, um, there were no issues with the turf from what I could tell. Um, the, the, the crowd were good. Yes, they, they did leave early, but it seemed like a really good atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, apparently that field is really easy to get to on public transport. Perfect. And I think there's even parking, which for most of um, Brisbane's games, they've had they've been at fields that have been very hard to get to. And especially if you've got, young people so um so shout out to lisa small pethy as we know her who traveled Bring and gave heart. us gave us some feedback of um how easy it was to travel along with little boston how is boston now maybe five 
who was celebrating. He is a Brisbane Lions AFLW fan, and she posted a gorgeous photo of him cheering and celebrating the D's running out because that's his favourite song. So Aww. that speaks volumes <laughs> for AFLW, isn't it? It's it's we're here for the game and we cheer, happy to cheer everyone on our team and and others. So I also saw that Georgina Hibbard made it and she took a photo from the train having arrived. So shout out to Georgina for making another grand final. Well done, you. Um, also, I know someone who's travelled a long way is Mick Crane, who is probably Mr. AFLW in Ireland. Uh, he travels over, so he often trains the Irish players in Ireland to learn the game and how to kick a Sharon so they can get the contracts in Australia. So he's been over here for a couple of weeks and um, hung out at um, Dee's place out at Casey's, been down at Arden Street Oval, just kind of checking in and hanging out with the um, Irish girls. So pretty awesome that he was there to see Blathen Mackey kick her goal. And I'll come back to her. And also Sinead um, Goldrick and all our Edouards, the other ones he knows, but they took him back into the shed. So he's posted a, a gorgeous video of um, how how do they celebrate a premiership win in AFLW and it's just sort of sped up. Um, so go and look at look for AFLW underscore Ireland on Insta and you'll see the video. It's kind of very, very cute. Bladen, Bladen, Bladen Mackey. Now she hasn't played the game very long, right? She flew into Australia, I think it was on a Monday. Friday, she had the practice game, I think it was Friday or the Saturday, practice game at the MCG, picked her first goal. They didn't pick her for the first couple of rounds, but then she got into the squad, hasn't looked back. They've picked her every week. She's been phenomenal. And so what has she played now? Maybe seven or eight games, kicked a goal in the grand final. What a career. Like there's some, that's some massive moments. We're trying now. It's not going to get better. Massive moments in the space of what, two months, two and a half months. Like that's just, because when she flew into Australia, I just add, I think there were two weeks out from starting the comp. So it wasn't like she flew over two months ahead of, you know, and had a massive preseason. Like, um, no, because they were still finishing the other season. Yeah. Yeah. So um, pretty awesome. Pretty awesome to see. And now she's got a medal to take home and, um, if they go back to Ireland for for the cold, or they stay here for the for the uh, for our summer and then stay for next winter. But yeah, pretty pretty <clears throat> terrific. Another thing I, I just want to mention: Libby Birch becomes the first player to oh. win premierships with two different AFL clubs. I uh, I do like really? my stats and trivia things. <laughs> She's the first. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no one yeah, else really. has. So oh. and we've well, had them who've not won. Yeah. Yes. Yep. There's there's a few that have not won, but she's the first to win premierships with different clubs. Because if you think about it, Brisbane and or Adelaide have been involved in every AFLW Grand Final. So there's going to be a few players. I know Brisbane have only won the one, but Adelaide have got quite a few that have won one, two, or three. Um. Yeah. So this is the first player to um. Yeah win two grand finals for two different sides. So uh, there's a bit of trivia for you there. First happened once. <laughs> happens once. No, sorry. Well, I was just going to say I felt for her because this is her fourth grand final and they've only won one. So as powerful as the Lions are, they're not getting it in the in the game that counts. Yeah. And I actually I would have liked Phoebes to win a grand final too, but, you know, next time. 
Well, we got your monohanomania. Next, next year, beeps. <laughs> and welcome to the fifth quarter. And we're going to give our take on the W Awards. What a travesty! Oh my goodness! <laughs> so many travesties. What is this bush week? <laughs> Why? Oh boy! <laughs> what have I gotten myself into on this? Excuse one? me. Mm. <laughs> Picked a great week, Donnie. Great week. Oh well, hey, I hey, I can go on. I can go on a diatribe. Can I? Can I? Can I start off with this one? Go, and I, and I know. Sure. I, I know. And my go. biggest pet peeve. My biggest pet peeve that I have, and I understand that the All Australian is a panel. Okay, I really get it. But I, I and I complained about this on my podcast for the men. I am sick and tired of central midfielders getting into the forward line in the All Australian. That really irritates yeah. the rod out yes. of me. I love you, Maddie Prasparkis. You're a heck of a player. Go to the bench, get Greta Bodie on as the starter. Then there's no issue. I have absolutely no problem with some of the players that got there, but I really, really, really irritates me when selectors put a midfielder who barely plays forward if more anything more than 10 percent which i know maddie doesn't should not be at a half forward line i'm sorry i understand i really get the argument maddie's had a great season congratulations but she's also in the midfield where there's a a lot of really good players so is elise parker exactly (laughs) and and i and i do it (laughs) <laughs> and I do it. I do a team with. I do a team of the week for the podcast. I know how difficult it is sometimes to look at some of these. To look at some of these performers and go, well, you can't make it. You can't make it. So I I, I understand it, but it, it is my biggest pet peeve that I have, or pet hate that I hear all the time. I'm trying to use the the the, the terminology I hear all the time. I just can't stand it. Okay. I just can't stand it. Maddie Prasparkas, you're a heck of a player, but you should be on the bench. Greta Bodie should be in your spot. Then I have no problem. But the fact that you stick her at the half forward line when she's never played half forward this entire season is just maddening to me. I understand you're a panel, but panel, pull your heads in. Come on. Five forwards, five midfielders, five defenders, one rock. It's not that difficult. I agree with you, Donnie, and it's not because we're from other countries. We just know good shit. But it's just, I agree. Maddie's a great midfielder, but she's not one of the best five forwards in the comp. And I think naming a midfielder in just means that this whole name of the All-Australian team lacks credibility with position. Yeah. Yeah. And name the best 22 players, which would be full of midfielders, or you stick to, as Donnie says, five backs, five mids, five or six mids, five forwards, and name the best players who played those positions. The forwards in her Essendon team are probably looking at it going, hang on a minute, I played better forward than her this season. And there are a couple of classy ones, let alone so many others. And on the bench in the forwards was Tani Evans. There's no way Maddie played a better forward role than Tani. So it was a populist. It just made it was a populist list of selecting it into positions, and and I know this is how it's been done before. But Australia, clean up your act, selectors, clean up your act. Understand the role that a small forward, especially if that's what she's playing or selected as, but the forward craft they have forward craft coaches is very different to midfield craft. Yeah. So don't make a mockery of the selection. Don't make a mockery of 
the positions in the team and the work that goes into players dominating in their positions. Boom, mic drop. I know. Yes, it's to quote Emma Thompson's agree. character in Love Actually, you made a fool of me and you made a fool out of the life that I lead. Okay. Just continued <laughs> on a roll, on a fire. Oh, they made a absolutely. few, I think they might have made a few, uh, look, shouldn't say errors, apart from maybe Maddie Prasparkas. There's always going to be people that are hard luck to to miss out, right? And it's like, who do you leave you? But the fact that the best and fairest winner, I think it was three of the top seven poll getters in the best and fairest were not selected in the All-Australian. That's a, a big difference, isn't it? You know, so am I yeah? Am I right in players. saying Jazzy Garner was not in the in the Jazzy Garner was she's in, in a, the All she's she was captain. Oh, she was. Elise Parker, Ellie Anderson, and the name of the the third person escapes me, but um, that that's a that's a pretty significant amount that I think are, are not. And I know, um, you know, the best of is voted on by the umpires, and and that's a whole other topic. I know that that they're busy with people, but um, you know, the I think they're probably the hard luck stories. Like you said, Maddie Prasparkas in the team, but maybe on the bench. Um, Ellie Anderson, best and fairest, didn't even you know get a gig in the team, and Elise Parker, who's one of the top finishers, didn't get in there. And I said the name of the third person escapes me now, but um, I'll tell you what though, Emma Carney, seven All Australians for seven seasons. She's the only one in the league that's uh, made every All Australian team. She's uh, pretty good. Pretty good effort, I think. Uh, and in, also, two, and in two different positions too. And very good effort would go to our friend of the pod, Ayla Sharon, who in her first season of playing AFW uh, made the starting lineup. So um, even though she plays for Richmond, we won't hold that against her. It was a malfunction <laughs> in the car that she drives, but we're still celebrating New South Wales player. Yeah. Uh, so, but on the subject of Jazzy Garner, she didn't get a vote until what? Round six or something? Round five? For you best know, and fairest, I mean. Yeah. Um, this is, so this, this is what bites me is that I, I know it's a tradition in Australia. And sometimes traditions should perhaps stop. <laughs> Do we need umpires giving these votes? Like they've got a particular yeah. job to do, and I've seen it. I, I've only been in the game, involved in the game a couple of years. I think it's about 24 now. It's yeah, um, like 250 plus games. But from what I see is <laughs> the umpires generally will always give votes to those around them. Especially if they're blonde. And usually short blonde midfielders. It was it was a joke for Sydney <laughs> AFL. It was always a small blonde midfielder who was going to win best and fairest. And one year there were three of them. It was a three-way tie, all small blonde midfielders. But um, it just seems to me that the umpires should really be – I mean, it's hard enough. There's so many variations of the rules and rules to focus on it each week, it feels like. But there's so much goes on and the game is so fast and it's hard to umpire anyway. Why yeah. should we be then saying to them, oh, by the way, who do you, <laughs> who do you think, think was the best most player? impact on the game? Yeah. One, they shouldn't know that, really. 
they shouldn't be watching, you know, who's scoring or who's changing the game. They should be just there administrating those rules or, you know, blowing the whistle for any breaches of the rule, not taking any notice of who is getting the hands on the ball and being able to move it cleanly or set up play or, you know, having the impact. And and so, yeah, it comes back to the coaches who give the coaches votes is what Jasmine Garner nailed. I think she got straight tens for the first three rounds or something ridiculous. The coaches will sit in the boxes and they have the best view down. Some may be on the bench, but they'll probably go off their coaches panel. They will tell you who has the most impact in the game. And they will be able to tell you who who was hard to, you know, who was hard to, you know, put the tactics against somebody to stop them having an impact, or if your players were dominant and you could make better use of her in the game. So, you know. Well, I would say now is the time to consider changing that because the umpires have been found to be, or one at least, has been found to be corruptible in the men's game. Yes. Uh, and so now that now that we know that <laughs> that's an issue, maybe now, we, it's now's time, the time to, to change. This. And Gil is here till March. No, no, so. he's not here. He couldn't even be bothered making it to the to the uh, match. Well, he had a holiday, but Nick was here. Excuse me. He's allowed a holiday. It's been <laughs> a long season. We didn't have a holiday. The players didn't have a holiday. Well, they and he did. knew. The he players, knew. players would have gone away before the, before the, the players, players would have gone did. away for the holiday before they got a phone call the second day and get back here and start preseason. You mm. mean when they went back to work before they got a call? <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> well, they've got no annual leave left anyway. So how can they have a holiday? Outrageous. <laughs> oh, the thing is, Gil, it's okay, Gil. Gil, look, we we know you never loved us. It's fine. Fine. Thanks for confirming oh. it though, because we don't have to wonder. Mon Conti anymore. was the other one, I think. No, maybe not. No, Mon, 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 Mon Conti was, was, was in the team. Yeah, she was in the All Australia. Uh, yeah. And yeah, she rated well for the B and F too. Yeah. Yeah. She, the top, the top five were Ali, Ali Anderson, twenty-one, Mon Conti, nineteen, Ebony Marinoff, eighteen, Maddie Persparkas, seventeen, Olivia Purcell, sixteen. Were the top five. There you go. So that's why we've got you on the show. <laughs> well, I, I had to look it up because I was trying. I was trying to confirm. <laughs> I was trying to confirm Laws's top the the three that are out, and I'm like, the only issue is is that almost every every search that I'm finding has the full res- has the full results for season six, but not season yes. season seven. Almost all of them have the top five, and that's it. Yeah, and I'm I think like it's through the I'm top sit- seven, I think, but I'll have to find. Well, and, and the other thing, the other thing too, and, and I agree with it is that, um, and maybe it's the American in me, but we don't do like the umpires umpire, they don't do anything else. And I, which is really fascinating to me because if you know sports culture, and I think it's worldwide, you don't want the umpires doing anything else because some of them are incompetent enough. They can't do their job in the first place. You don't want Again, them accused I, of favoritism, do you? <laughs> exactly. So it's like, so I kind of look at it and I go, and I, and I understand that it's a tradition. Okay. And I, and I get that. I get people are saying tradition, but there are traditions that are just wrong. <laughs> and, and, I, and I hate saying that. And again, controversy here from the American. No. Racism just, could be considered a tradition. 
and and that's exactly <laughs> one of my favorite one of my favorite arguments. It doesn't make it really, doesn't make it, it needs to be. Uh, no, I know what uh, is a tradition that's wrong. Booing, <laughs> booing players in AFL is like a booing players and booing booing umpires for that matter. Yes, yes. I I just I never understand booing. Anyway, sorry, did we but, sorry but uh, did I, we sorry, derail you? We derailed <laughs> no, you. No, no, you didn't. Protest back to like, you. Boo. I I found it funny that Mason Mason Cox comes out and says what he said when it comes to the whole controversy in, in the men's game. <laughs> but he had a point there. He's like, in no other sport, in any other sport in the world, do the umpires decide the best player in the competition? It's a panel. Heisman Trophy over here in, in gridiron football. It's a panel. A panel gets together and they discuss it and then they vote. It's the same thing with all. So it's like, I just, I, I understand holding on to tradition, but there are points where it's like, it is change corruptible. It. Right. it is very, it is very easy to change it. So then this type of stuff doesn't happen. Right. So let's I, start, I just, let's start the petitions. Let's start, <laughs> let's release the hounds. What would the hashtag be? Break change change the panel. <laughs> move, move it, move it. Move it change, to a panel vote. Change the vote. <laughs> change the vote. It's always got to be a three-word slogan. we just got to pick, pick the right three words. Stack the umps. Yeah. Oh, no, not that. <laughs> so I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> Boom. It'd be interesting to see what they do. I think, look, I wouldn't be surprised if they do change it to a, a panel vote, um, but I think they'll still do it on a 3-2-1 for each game. That's fine. That's Rather fine. Rather than yep. doing that. And I think, um, and I know in the women's, they haven't named the medal after anyone. Um, I think just diverging to the men's for a minute, I think if they change the voting system or, or how they vote it, I wouldn't be surprised if the AFL maybe consider renaming the Brownlow because it's if you're effectively changing you know how it's decided um i think they they might do that whereas aflw Ooh. they're still to you know well, it's going to be that would be controversial <laughs> i don't know they were thinking it would be the erin phillips medal for a while yeah but she's not and victorian, daisy's already got it. a medal named after her isn't she erin's not victorian they're yeah. just repurposing so <laughs> Years ago, yeah. the, the Morrish Medal used to be awarded to the best under nineteen men's player when in the AFL they had oh. 19s reserves, whatever. Now that, or I don't know if it still is, but it was um, then given to the best and fairest in the NAB League. So they can they can repurpose names, but um, could, could they name yeah. it the Nick Bar? What? Because it's got a ring. It's got a nice sound. Because she wasn't she the number one draft, the first ever draft. Yes. She yes. only happened once. First only happened once. And it has a <laughs> nice, they don't. <laughs> nice sound to it, Nick Nick Barr. And, you know, she, she plays pretty well. She's a talented player. Happens to be from Sydney, not Victoria. That might go against her. Well, I mean, the Sam Mostyn medal is named after Sam Mostyn, who never played a game of footy. So why don't they call – why don't they call <laughs> – the uh the well that used to be called w the Nat award after why don't they no i'm saying why don't they call it after someone else who's contributed but hasn't hasn't oh, played the game the nick livingston <laughs> that's not who i meant let's call it you know what let's call it the olivia <laughs> just because we can the olivia 
Oh dear. All well, right. The, Look, can we call it the tailor? Because there's a few tailors in the comp, so they won't know which exact one it goes to. <laughs> yeah. And then someone uh, like Charlotte Taylor could claim it's her because it's her last name. Or... Yeah, on, whatever. On, All on. right. So uh predictions for next season. Any or Hang anything. We've, we've we, got... we need to we need to what? We need oh, to wrap to... this baby. I've got up. a prediction. Neither Adelaide or Brisbane will be involved in the next AFLW grand final. Oh. Anyway, are you predicting Collingwood? Collingwood could be in that. Point. You've got Bree Davies there and Trippanichi yeah. will be back. Coming back, yep. There are chance. They will make a massive a chance, difference. But I don't think Brisbane or Adelaide will be there. Why not? They're pushing the ceiling of their best. Well, I mean, Adelaide almost got there this year, just missed out. Um, and I don't think Adelaide are going to fall off the perch. I still think they'll be in the top eight. I still think Brisbane will be in the top eight. But I think you'll see maybe some of those other sides, whether it be Collingwood, North Melbourne, um, you know, even a Richmond and Geelong. Like the improvement they made between even yep. just between season six and seven in what four months. Like I think you're going to have sides come through, and um, yeah. So so that's my prediction. So who do you and, think um, may leave D's to get the car? <laughs> uh, just a question. Just ask well, me a question. it'll be Kiwi. Could you just? Yeah, Kiwi. Can you just um, fill in the blanks for anyone who may not know what you're referring to? There are some teams that do give cars. They've done it for a few years now. It's not just this season. Um, as part of the um, the sugar on the contract to come to a club, to change clubs, switch clubs. Um, and it is outside the salary cap. So it is, it's not cheating. It's just a little bonus. Um, and if you've got a really good manager, she or he will direct you in the best possible way. And obviously you've got to be, you've got to be a good player to be targeted to get that. And, you know, there are players who earn a lot of money um, above their salary cap and, and good on them. But um not at demons you won't get a car if you go to demons they should they try well no they don't really train at casey but it's a long way to drive so i should give them a toll way to relocation compensation (laughs) (laughs) maybe they need a cost of living allowance for casey well maybe (laughs) (laughs) let's bring that back petrol allowance and so uh, it, the point is that Daisy Pierce in her, in oh, her yes, post-ma- sorry, yes. post-match interview just sort of said um, about the club culture and how everyone comes together and um, that everyone is in there and they work for each other and Mick has built this whole program and everyone plays for Mick and they're not there for the big rewards or there for the incentive of getting a car. It's just not what you get at Casey Fields. It's a nice training facility. But they do train in town a lot, not so much at Casey. I'm just trying to look up the... So um, here's a question. Mm-hmm. Out of Sydney, Swans and Giants, do you think Swans will beat Giants next year or do you think they'll finish higher on the ladder? No. I think it 
but I think it depends on recruiting. The biggest, the biggest thing I think this, this might be the year when you see more of the expansion sides, maybe get a little more aggressive in, in, in um, recruiting experienced players. Cause I think last year, the, one of the things that hurt several of the expansion teams, especially Sydney and port is the relocation because of the time frame. because I think everybody kind of knew it was going to be a short off season and I don't think they wanted to admit it. But I think that's what really got Coach Gowans and especially Port Adelaide was is that they kind of had to get lucky. They kind of had to hit just the right players that could move in a short amount of time and not have it affect them. So I, I'd be I'd be fascinating to see if the Swans get gr- aggressive when it comes to it. Port Adelaide too, Hawthorne and Essendon. I think they'll they'll go after it, but I think they kind of got a little bit they they kind of got a little bit more of a blessing when it comes to it with all the Victorian teams around them. Mm. So I'd be interested. I think it'll be close. I think the Swans will progress, and I think I'm worried the Giants will regress because they're still they're still kind of in this purgatory right now. So it's kind of this really weird time frame. I I'll say no currently, but I I think it'll be a very good game. I don't think it's going to be a 40 or 50 point win. So, ladies, I hate to do this, but I have to get going to another podcast. This has been a fantastic conversation. Fee Kiwi. Laws, thank you so much for having me on. I would be more than willing to hop on again next year. It's been fascinating. Thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Come back. Coach Johnny Hiss, thank you very much for your time. No problem. We'll see you guys next year. Thanks, John. Bye. Um, He missed it, but I wanted to say Swans are sponsored by Volvo. Potential incentive to draw someone <laughs> for the teams that do just... give away the clubs that do give away. Cars. I don't know if they. I don't know. If, I don't know they, that they are one of them, but there's potential, um, right? Now, Kiwi, you you uh, talked about some of the players who were approached. Is that common knowledge? Who was approached and said no? Yeah, yeah, I think it was. Yes, Ellie Pretty Blackburn sure. was probably yeah. the biggest. Ellie, Ellie, how do you like a V dub? Yeah, exactly. How do you like a V Dub? Do you like a V Dub? Yeah, and they yeah, they're sponsored by V Dub, right? So I said Volvo, sorry, I meant V Dub. Um, German German, right? It's um Burn Around the Beaches. What is that song? With the roof off the car and you leaning back in the You're describing the West Coast wine cooler ad from circa nineteen eighty eight to me. I'll take your word for that. Start heading oh, for the coast, heading for the West Coast, heading for the coast, West Coast wine cooler. <laughs> that was my drink of choice back in well, the day. We want an East Coast uh, cooler girl. Um, but, yeah, so the draft is potentially, the draft is going to be 19 and up, and that's fine. Um, so, um, it'll, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who the Swans retain. I think with the Giants, they've got a really good number of young players. Um, you know, Mowbray, Evans, you know, all of those girls that'll just be a whole bit smarter, wiser, better players for the season. You know, this season under Burn, I think they'll just come back and they'll just keep growing because they're only sitting around about, I think, 19, 20 years old. Mm. So, so you um, think they're in a building phase? Yeah, a little, a little. Yeah. Well, um, uh, I don't know, it, I don't it know will that be... they can keep, sorry, I don't know that they can keep getting much more out of Sydney recruitment-wise, though. 
Mm. Well, it'll be interesting to see. And make the phone call to Eilish. <laughs> make the phone call to Eilish, for goodness sake. Um, I think she should go to Sydney, just cut ties with giants Scott, and move on. call her up. Scott, call her up. Well, so Scott, was it Scott or was it Berner who was talking about, um, I, I just remember the phrase, put the put the guns back in the holsters at the end of the season. Do you remember this, Loz? Um with the idea that once the season was over, the AFLW season was over, that the two clubs needed to get together and oh, yes. work on development. Scotty did so talk about it that. It will be interesting to see how that manifests. Having said that, Kiwi, you nearly gave me a heart attack last week when you shared that photo of one um, Alicia Newman in <laughs> blue and yellow. Oh, I thought she'd signed on to the West Coast Eagles and I, and I shared some expletives in our, in our chat. Right. Did not realise that she'd actually signed on to Williamstown VFLW Club. Uh, well done to Alicia for, for um, signing on for her own development in the off-season and well done to Willie for, for setting that up. I think that's, uh, they should be congratulated. Uh, for that because she will certainly contribute to the Williamstown VFLW club and uh, Alicia will um, benefit from playing in the VFLW uh, comp. And this is this is the level we need. And until we have it, I think we just have to send our players down. We have to send clubs down. We have to make the equivalent of the VFL um, comp that that is on now. The four, yeah. former Neafl, Sydney, yeah? I think I just think Sydney AFL, come to the party, put some dollars in, get some dollars from Swans and Giants and do a combined team for the better development of the league in Sydney. So you can even, even say, like, we'll play five Swans, five Giants each week, and the rest of the team is made up from Sydney Premier, premier level players. Do so you mean to getting, send down to To, to play in the VFL. But don't so, they... Don't you think they um don't you think that would be they'd be better served having two separate Sydney teams? They, no. they wouldn't put the money into it, probably. Okay. Yeah. I mean I just feel like that's sure. um do it their own way and then Oh, use but if you say it's gonna be academy, equally divided, then then yes, that they yeah, it wouldn't be do it equally yeah. divided and then and then get coaches like local coaches to get that experience coaching at VFLW level yeah, as well. Yeah, so you're developing not just the players, like yeah. the coaches. Because that's our biggest, also our biggest problem. Next problem is that not only we don't have players, we don't have the coaches teaching them at that level. So we don't have the video footage to go back. But do we have, we don't have the coaches who can read the videos or cut the videos or edit or code yeah, the yeah. videos. So we don't have that kind of knowledge and technical advice for these players each week. Mm. as a line, as a team, as an individual, which think, is what yeah. Victorians are getting all the – the Victorians are getting this at under 18 level. Yeah. So I pre – and from the age of 15, 16, 17, 18, four years of this kind of one-on-one -on -one team line coaching that our players in and, Sydney are not And getting. this is nothing new. Like no, everybody no. knows this is the the deficit we have. It's acknowledged, it's identified – we just need some action. We need some action to be taken. And and unlike trickle-down trickle economics, which doesn't work, trickle-down coaching does. 
And so once we actually start getting this developed at the top, then we need to trickle down because it is actually in the youth, it's in the under nines, for goodness sake, in the under eights, where really, really bad coaching is happening because parents are just doing their best and they've got no idea what they're doing. And, and um, our kids are not learning the basic techniques early. So, they, so they're being either mm. taught the wrong techniques and having to unlearn them or they just say, I'm Jack of this, I'm going to go, I'm going to go and play soccer. Well, that's it. That's what needs, right? So you need your prem level coaches, the premier division coaches, to to be respected and taking that job seriously, not treated as a hobby and not be treating it as a hobby from the clubs. And mm. that's mostly what I see across Sydney is they yeah. will give a token payment for that coach, which will no way come close to the hours they put in. And, you know, if you're doing 20 hours a week, that's probably a minimum you will be doing with your team. If you are serious about growth and development, a minimum 20. But probably you want to be spending 30, 40 hours. And then not only that, that's one-on-one. That's kind of all the extra coaching and, and advice you're sharing with your line coaches, with your players, and then get those coaches from Prem level to go to the juniors in your club. And coach those coaches so that they're all learning or sharing the same tactics, but the same, the right skills and get your players involved in coaching those skills at the young under 10s, under 8s, whatever. Because if you learn how to coach technique, your technique will improve. And that's probably some of the best, especially for the Div 2, Div 3 players who want to get better and play up to Div 1 and then up to Premier level. But do it that way. And it can only be done if it's not seen as a hobby. If clubs, if the league is serious and the clubs are serious about that kind of advice and expertise and, you know, knowledge that the coach is then sharing on, pay them accordingly. And for some, it might be a part-time job, but stop treating it as a hobby. Amen and thank you, God. But how else are we going to compete if we don't take it serious? And people yeah. said, to, people said to me, "Oh, oh, if you go back to Sydney, oh, our club will have you as a coach." Yeah, fine, I get that because people know me as a coach. Sure, I've got experience, but club treats it as a hobby. And if you're playing a Div Three competition, what I know is probably a bit advanced. Not saying that I could you know, coach them, I could, but the money that you'd pay me, you're better to spend at your club to develop your facilities or develop your players or develop your coach to be better. And, you know, mm. happy to go and share advice and people feel free to call me sweet kicksfootball.com.au. Uh, <laughs> but I'm happy to come to coaches and sit down and share what I've learned in my time in Melbourne. And, you know, I'm grateful for doing it because I'm, I'm certain I'm a whole lot better coach for doing that and experience life down there and experience life at different clubs to see how each club does it. You know, Darabin on their tight budget are incredible what they do compared to what Collingwood, who seemingly have no budget, what they can do. Um, And they're competing against each other. And then I go and see what under 18s are doing, you know, my time at Eastern Rangers and then at Sandy and Dragons. And I just want to throw in there a whole bunch of our boys who got drafted tonight. I'm stoked. I'm well over 20 players drafted since I've been at Sandringham. But, you know, I digress. Except I don't care about the M's. <laughs> I was including W's in there as well. Mm. But 
you know, I've I, I've seen what Melbourne are doing, and and what we do even at Vic Metro under 18s, the the precision that we expect and ask of those young footballers, yeah, and and the way we want them to execute their skills, is is what we should be doing in Sydney. If we want to compete and be serious, treat it like that and yep. expect that from our players but we can only expect it if we have shown them or trained them or coached them 100 and you know they're competing against some phenomenal coaching down there so you know what is it best bets add whatever let's you know raise the odds <laughs> let's not always <laughs> be behind the eight ball let's kind of get up the side shimmy up the side of the eight ball and and go for the big pocket. I don't know. It's oh my um, God. <laughs> I'm passionate about Sydney developing, growing. Change it up, Sydney. Come just, on. Just just as well you're back then. Hey. And probably Canberra as well. Because Canberra used to be very, very strong competition. And I think the mm. last couple of years they've sort of fallen a little bit behind in in that as well. And um, you know, we've well, seen some good players come out of them, but their key enough. players in Canberra are going to play VFLW as well. They're going mm. to play, there's a few connections there, I believe, in the Sample W. But I think going back to what you said um, before and, and Scotty Gowan's comments, I think AFL New South Wales ACT and the two clubs, whatever is done, they need to work on it together and and just, just make it happen, get it done, because all the good players in the development place are going to VFLW. Like, I know locally Southern Power, one of their young players who came up through the youth girls program, Kyla Tracy, she's gone and joined Bulldogs in the VFLW, right? So all of the, the clubs are going to lose their, their better players or their developing players because they want to go and get better competition, better coaching. And it's not a knock, and I don't mean that to be a knock on the coaches and people that are there, but they need the resources and you know, it's just not there. So if you and want to be a coach or a player, you've got to go to where you're going to get that development. And and it absolutely starts with the competition taking taking the league itself seriously. So the premier division needs to be on quality fields with a quality coach's box, which is pretty hard to come by in Sydney, I understand. But and then provide quality camera work. So then games can be analysed and then you can actually teach even um, opposition analysis. So you can create tactics and then players build a better footy IQ. So when they go out and get selected for AFLW, they're not beaten by smarter players just because they're a good kicker or a good mark. They've actually got some good footy IQ so they can make the right decisions on the field. And, you know, from what I saw and, you know, the last time I coached Sydney was 2020, the cameras were I think it was a couple of games of a weekend so it wasn't every game and so our team that I was with I think we had three games of the season uh, filmed which isn't enough really and the, and the footage was from a lower angle and it was often zoomed in you didn't even see the wingers at a center bounce sometimes it was that zoomed in so then how do you then go back and teach structures and setups and you know and look through that kind of a review and and there's no behind the goal footage, which is so valuable if you are building or developing forwards and backs 
and you know movement and if you watch even the AFL and they analyze some of the games they often resort to the behind the goal footage to show you leading lines so if you know if we don't have that available how do they win teach it properly and show players what they're doing or you know what opposition are doing if it's if it's not even being filmed in the first place so I think the league needs to take some kind of accountability to take the competition seriously and put some it's going to be some extra dollars just put it in there because the future is going to be we'll be stronger here your players won't be departing to go to other states you can then draw more players here if you have a decent competition like Sandfall and the VFLW are doing. Creates more sponsors, more registrations because the comp will grow. You get more numbers. It just seems to me like a win-win. And then we get to celebrate. And they love to celebrate players from Sydney or Canberra getting drafted. We get more drafted. Win-win. Win-win. That sounds like a good place to, to leave season seven. And congratulations, Mick and Daisy. Yep. For a big win-win. <laughs> for a big win-win. <laughs> All right, this is us signing off for Coat Hanger season seven. We will be back for season eight, but we hope to have a bit of a rest in between <laughs> seven and eight this time because we didn't get much of a rest. This Give us before. a call and we'll come and have a kick of the footy and we'll talk tactics. Absolutely. It's going to be a long off-season. You can get in touch with us via the socials. We are at Coat Hanger Footy on Twitter, Insta and Facebook, of course. Um, Sweet Kicks, if you want to go (laughs) explore sweetkicks.com.au. Wish I had the Sweet Kicks song to play right now, but I've got a great song. This has been our final show for the Coat Hanger for AFLW Season 7. My heartfelt thanks to 2SER 107.3, especially production coordinator, Michael Jones, who ensures that this show is set up each week and the pod gets into your ears. Also, Anthony Dockrell, who has supported The Coat Hanger since inception. Loz Hodgson, who joined us this year, and it feels like she's always been part of The Coat Hanger family. And Loz, please come back next season. Kiwi, my partner in life and crime, thanks for all you do to keep this show afloat. Nobody (laughs) knows just how much Kiwi has done to set up all the interviews with players and researching bios. Special guest coach Donnie Hess, host of the YouTube podcast Fourth and Long. Don't forget to catch the full version of this show in our podcast with extra content in the fifth quarter, wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to catch us on our socials. We are at Coat Hanger Footy on Twitter, Insta, and Facebook. And as always, for the best hub of using women's footy, tune in to the Coat Hanger. <laughs>